Well, good morning and happy Easter. This is one of my favorite days as we come together to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and God's power over sin in the grave. And I'm really glad that you could be here with us for worship today. If we have not met yet, my name is Brian Legg and I'm part of our lead pastor team here at TBA. So last week we launched a new series called Celebrate Recovery. And maybe you've heard that word before, even if you haven't seen it here. It's a ministry that launched back in the early 90s through Saddleback Church out in California. It's been around. Some other churches in the area have done it. But Celebrate Recovery is a ministry that's built around helping people discover freedom from the hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their lives. And the truth is, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives. Those things that hold us captive, maybe that cause tension or cause fear for us, or sometimes just simply have us feeling trapped and kind of helpless to be able to overcome. We all need freedom from something, but we usually spend most of our time and energy hiding those things instead of seeking freedom from them. So this series and this ministry is built around eight principles that are based on an acrostic from the word recovery. And last week we looked at principle one based on the R for realize. And it says, realize I'm not God, and I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Basically, you could boil it down to this. It's talking about how do we deal with denial. See, we're good at denying our struggles. We're good at trying to ignore the problems in our lives. But the truth is that doesn't make them go away, does it? And God will often use some different ways to kind of break down those barriers of denial and help us to address those things in our lives so that we can get healthy from them. He might use things like crisis, some kind of significant illness or a loss of a job or a broken relationship, something that just kind of grabs our attention or break down those barriers. Or sometimes he'll use confrontation. And we don't like that very well, but when he sends somebody that loves us enough to say the hard thing to us and point out a blind spot in our life or point out that thing that we've been trying to ignore all this time or trying to avoid, or sometimes, and this is probably our least favorite, he'll even use a catastrophe in our lives. That moment where you just feel like you've literally hit the bottom and have nowhere to turn or you feel completely hopeless. And none of us like to face any of those things, but the simple truth is that it often takes pain for us to pay attention to the brokenness in our lives enough to be willing to do something about it. So I want you to take just a moment as we start this morning and listen to some stories from a couple here in our church family about some of the brokenness that they've walked through and the ways that God is ministering in their hearts. Listen to these stories. I didn't realize it, but I also had an addiction problem. I was addicted to him and to um, being good enough um, to make him love me and want to quit. I was raised in a Christian family. I was born into a home where my parents went to a church. I was taught basically that every time I sinned, if I didn't confess my sins and I passed away, then I would go to hell. It was somewhat legalistic, um, and I remember praying the sinner's prayer every time somebody would pray it. I would pray along with it, hoping that that would um, alleviate my guilt. As I became older, I started rebelling, and um, my sisters were rebelling at the same time, and I was trying to, I guess, go harder and faster than they were. My parents and God intervened and sent me away to a boarding school when I was 16. That's actually where I met my husband, Nate. My father was an alcoholic, and uh... I can remember at a very young age um, mimicking uh, 
his alcoholism, um, finding his alcohol bottles and, you know, filling them with water and pretending like it was alcohol and, and acting as if I were drunk. So um, that's, I guess, really where uh, some of the sickness started uh, for myself and, and just this desire to uh, be like my dad. Not much longer down the road, uh, I was exposed to pornography. That also played a, a big role in um, my sickness. By the age of um, 10 or 11, uh, I was exposed to uh, marijuana, and it grew from there. By the age of uh, 15, I had dropped out of high school and was living with a best friend. My mom was willing to uh, do whatever was necessary to get me home or get me safe. Um, and uh, that consisted of uh, getting me into a boarding school. So I'm very thankful to the school, even though it was a little crazy. Um, but Nate and I both had our own issues, and we, we struggled through those um, in the early years of our marriage. I wasn't ever taught how to have a relationship with God. I just knew that I was different. I knew that something was different inside of me. I had heard a lot about Jesus, but I never had uh, developed a relationship with Jesus. Um, so it was a lot of knowledge, but um, he wasn't sitting on the throne of my heart. 2003 or 2004, I got my first DUI and, um, and uh, first stay in, in jail. Nate um, got arrested for driving while under the influence, and we ended up at a, a rehab center um, in Okeechobee and I was elated because I knew that as soon as he got better that we would be better. He graduated from the program, came back home and basically we lived exactly the same just he wasn't using and I remember thinking to myself, God I really expected all of this to be better um, but I still have all of these same feelings inside of me. Things still weren't going how I wanted them to and I realized that the issues that I had were inside of me and that they had nothing to do with circumstances or people around me, that I was trying to manage a life that was unmanageable. And um, God is so gracious, and he basically gave me another second chance to give up control. And um, it was really the start of my recovery. So what do we do when the bottom falls out or when we simply come face to face with our struggle that we can't seem to overcome on our own? See, I don't like to admit it, but I relate with Andrea a lot more than I care to tell you about. Over the past year, in fact, there have been several times where I've had to realize that some of the struggles I was walking through really had nothing to do with the people around me as much as they had to do with what was going on inside of me. I have those same struggles with control that she talks about, and I won't go into all the detail of that, but maybe you can relate to their stories or to my story somehow too. Those struggles that sometimes they're a big deal, sometimes they seem like just a little thing that we can hide and kind of sweep under the rug or not pay attention to, and we think they'll go away, but they don't. So I want to encourage you today that there is hope. 
And that's really what today's all about is hope. In fact, that's the second principle of Celebrate Recovery is based on the E. It stands for earnestly believe. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. See, we are powerless on our own, but God is all-powerful. And his power is available to us if we will just choose to plug in to him. And see, the thing for many of us is we believe in God. We believe in this whole Easter story, how Jesus died for our sin and he was buried and he was raised to new life three days later. We believe in God's power that's seen in the resurrection. If you didn't believe in some level of that truth, you probably wouldn't have shown up today. But the real struggle is not just in believing that. The struggle is in how we apply that story to our own lives. I mean, what's that mean for me? So God raised Jesus from the dead, but will he use that same power to help me overcome my struggles? And to answer that, I think we have to take a look at who God really is. We've got to understand his character. And the only way to understand God's character is to dig into his word. Well, who does he tell us he is? The simple truth is, for most of us, we don't trust what we don't know. Isn't that right? We don't trust things we don't know or don't understand. So if we're going to trust God and we're going to depend on him to help us, then we have to know him and we have to understand what he's really like. And there are all kinds of aspects of God's character that are important for us to understand, especially as we talk about these habits, hurts, and hang-ups. But I think there's three that I want to simplify it down to today that really stand out above the rest. And these are things that we need to understand about God's character. And the first is this, God knows all about my struggles. He knows all about my struggles. He sees us, even when we feel like he's not there. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows, and you've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Psalm 31, verse 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. Listen to the words that are there. God says he collects our tears in a bottle. He sees our pain. He sees the struggles that we walk through, whether they're big or small. He sees the anguish of our soul. He knows us intimately. Psalm 69, verse 5 says, Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Now see, I don't like this scripture as much most of the time. I don't like to come face to face with it, but the truth is God even sees the stupid choices I make. We have an audience with him 24-7. He sees me. He sees my sin. He knows the dark side of my heart. And guess what? God's never caught off guard by anything I do, by anything I say, by any decision I make, because he knows me. He knows you. He knows us intimately and deeply, everything about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet he still loves us. I think that's the shocking part for most of us, that God knows everything about us, and yet he still loves us unconditionally. And that brings us to the second characteristic that I think we have to understand is that God cares about my struggles. He doesn't just see them, but he really cares about what we're going through, what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14 say, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Another word for fear that you see there in verse 13 is the word believe. God has compassion on those who believe in him. He cares about us. He cares about our brokenness. In Jeremiah, he promises to love us with an everlasting love. 
Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 3 and 4. Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I've drawn you to myself. Listen to what it says here. I will rebuild you. I will rebuild you, my virgin Israel. You will again be happy and dance merrily with your tambourines. God cares deeply for us, and he's always pursuing us, and he promises to rebuild and to restore us. He loves us so deeply that he sent Jesus, his only son, to live among us, to demonstrate what it looked like to live a sinless life, and then to die, taking the punishment for your sin and my sin. Because he lived a perfect life, but he died anyway because of you and me. And he did that so that our relationship could be restored with the Heavenly Father. Jesus had to die so that our brokenness could be redeemed. And God cares enough about each of us that he wants to redeem our brokenness so that he can walk in relationship with us. Romans 5.8 reminds us, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, listen to these words, while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get our junk together. He didn't wait for us to figure out how to overcome our struggles and our obstacles. He didn't wait for us to get life cleaned up and figured out. He came in the midst of our brokenness in order to offer hope and offer life. And I think that's the other characteristic of God that we have to embrace this morning. God not only sees our struggle and cares about our struggle, but he has the power to change my struggles. He has the power to offer change in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, Paul is praying over the people of the church in Ephesus here. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and to me. Luke 18, 27 says this, and Jesus is speaking here. He replied, what is impossible for people? is possible for God. What is impossible with people is impossible, or excuse me, is possible with God. You and I are powerless over our struggles, but God is all-powerful, and he's offering his power to overcome our struggles if we'll just believe in him, earnestly and wholeheartedly believe. I want you to listen for a moment at some more of Nate and Andrea's story of how God showed up in the midst of their struggles and how he made a difference. I got reincarcerated about two years ago, and uh, and that's that's when the Lord was clear that um, that it's that I had to get I had to get my stuff together. I was bonded out um, uh, reluctantly by my wife, and uh, I actually had to sleep in the car the first night home. Um, because my daughter didn't didn't want me in the house. Nate got another DUI, and I had to take a hard look at my life and say, you know, I, I slipped right back into my ways. Um, I let my heart be controlled by his feelings. I let my fear of his thoughts and feelings dictate my own thoughts and feelings. It, I was so bad that when I would come home, people would be on eggshells, including like my dogs. 
You know what I mean? Like my dogs would be on eggshells, I'd come home and, and it was like the anxiety level just rose in the house. Those those things, and they're big deals, you know, it's kind of funny, but I mean, at, at the same time, it's a, it's a big deal to, you know, to come home and feel, I don't know, like, like wanted and even, and, and, and loved. But I would say that God really started intervening probably three or four months after his DUI. God really let me know that my life is uncontrollable. There are things happening in and around me that I have no say over. And no matter how hard I try and how much energy I put into trying to change those things, they don't change. The Lord is, he's gonna, you know, if I allow him the access to the deepest parts of my life and the secrets that I, that I hold, if I allow him the access to those areas that he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna make the change. You know what I mean? And he'll, he'll walk me through that change and through that process. He helped me and is helping me to see that I'm powerless and that he is all powerful and that he is going to do things in his way and his time and if I get in the way he can't work. We've got to break down the walls of pride um, that, that prevent us from uh, taking that next step that we've got everything together um, because it's easy. It's easy to walk in that we've got everything together mode but he can't work with okay. If we're okay then we don't need him but if we're not okay then we open ourselves up to him. You know things are getting rough when the dogs start communicating to you that there's a problem, right? We kind of laugh about that, but how serious is that? Because so many of us are walking through those kinds of struggles where it's oozing out all around us. Everybody else can see it, but we still keep ignoring it or acting like we can cover it up. Nate's words right there at the end are so powerful. God can't work with okay. He can't work with us when we think we've got it figured out and we've got it all put together and we're surviving. But if we're not okay, then we open ourselves up to him. See, when we think we have it all figured out or we're holding it together, the problem is we're still trying to play God in our lives. But when we recognize our need for a Savior, that's when everything changes. What we just heard was two people who made the very difficult choice to do something that I would say for most of us is the most difficult thing we would ever do in our lives. They asked for help. Help. That four-letter word that most of us try to avoid, right? We don't ask anybody for help. We're not going to tell somebody we need help. But they admitted their struggles, they recognized their own lack of power, and they made the choice to ask God to help them recognizing that he has the power to overcome all that we have going on in our lives. And see, for way too many of us, me included, we've been trying to fix ourselves with more and more willpower for years. Isn't that kind of how we do it? If, if I just try a little harder, if I'm just a little more committed this time, if I just push a little harder, I'll get through it. I'll fix it this time. We're kind of like the little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Except the problem is our lives are not a children's fairy tale storybook. And we don't have the power to get up the mountain on our own. No matter how much we say, I think we can. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
Our own willpower is not enough, but when we invite God onto the scene, he gives us the will, he gives us the desire, and he gives us the power to do what pleases him. And it pleases him when we overcome the obstacles and struggles in our lives that keep us from living in the fullness of his grace and his love and his joy for us. In 2 Timothy, we're reminded that when we invite God into our lives, he takes away that spirit of fear and timidity, and instead he gives us his spirit of power and love and self-discipline. You see, we have the power to overcome when we've plugged into God's power in our lives. We have the power to overcome when we've plugged into God's power in our lives. So how do we do that? It starts very simply by just asking him for help. Surrendering our own stubborn will and allowing him to lead and to guide in our lives. If you've come here this morning and and you've not ever asked Jesus to come in and be your savior, to come into your heart, I would encourage you to do that before you leave today. Because that's where it starts, is asking for help, saying, God, I need help. I can't get by this on my own. I can't get past the struggle on my own. I need help. I need your power instead of mine. And if you'd like to do that this morning, we've got people back at Next Steps. Tim and Joni are back there. There will be others near the end of service. We would love to talk with you and pray with you and help you start that new journey. I would encourage you to do that. We're going to take communion here in a little bit. You can go while we're doing communion, or you can get up and go right now if you'd like and talk to them. For all of us, every single one of us, whether you've asked Christ into your heart or haven't, the only way we're going to learn how to overcome is by daily plugging into God's word so that he has the opportunity to speak into our lives, to help us see his character, to see the promises that he offers to us, to see how his power is at work within us. It's understanding things like Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and the first part of verse 3. It says, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We read this and we recognize God's promise to protect us even when things might feel hopeless. When we're in the midst of struggle and life's overwhelming, God says, have hope. I'm walking with you. We'll get through this. See, Nate and Andrea are experiencing that hope each day in new ways as they continue to walk this journey. It doesn't mean that life's easy. It doesn't mean that things are perfect. It doesn't mean they've got it all figured out. But what it means is that they're no longer trapped by their struggles. They no longer feel hopeless because they have God's power at work within their lives. Listen to the rest of their story about where they are today and how God is continuing to work in them. So right now I am trying to take life moment by moment and see where God's working in me and around me, trying to trust that he has everything under control and that when things feel out of control, It just means that I'm supposed to be trusting him. Where the Lord has me today is uh, with the opportunity of being able to facilitate um, something called Celebrate Recovery. Very excited about CR starting. You know, my hope and my prayer for this ministry is that people will have freedom from not just addictions, but anxiety, stress, fear, um, the things that we are afraid to give to God because we don't know how. It gives us the opportunity to really dive in and expose the sin in our lives, um, the sin that I've, I've, I've 
buried and held on to for so long. And it helps us to just be able to walk through some of that hurt and pain. And also just to be able to have a brother or, or, or a sister in Christ that we can reach out to and share those, those, those same hurts and those same habits. And so, you know, my hope for the future is that God will keep working in me and keep working around me so that we can walk in freedom in our neighborhoods and in our community. The Bible talks about in James how we're to confess our sins one to another um, so that we will be healed. And, uh, and and one of the things that Satan tends to do is, is make us be- believe that, you know, nobody else is dealing with this same problem or this same uh, sin in my life. Um, and, and that's a lie. And, and that's where I am today is is just really just seeking the Lord in everything that I do. You know, every family circumstance, every struggle that comes my way is an opportunity to uh, glorify God through it, build character and endurance so that I have hope. Today, I'm accepted, you know, and I recognize it. Like, like God accepts me. God has favor on me. And I'm, I'm just a nobody. When it really comes down to it in the world, I'm just Nate, you know? But in God's eyes, I'm amazing, and I'm accepted, and He loves me. Hi, my name's Andrea, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with codependency and anxiety. Hey, church family, my name's Nate. Um, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, and uh, pornography. As you just heard, their struggles haven't gone away, but what a difference in perspective from the beginning of their stories as that was unfolding to where they are today and the journey that God has them on. You can see that God has given them hope, and I know that he wants to do the same for every single one of us if we'll simply make the choice to earnestly believe in his power to do that. That is only a portion of Nate and Andrea's story that you heard. In fact, as I have heard rumor tell it, I think Nate shared about 30 or 40 minutes and then that, and they cut all that down in the video. So Nate and Andrea are going to be back here at Live Scent in this back corner right after service. They would love to talk with you. If you'd like to hear more of their story, if you'd like to talk about Celebrate Recovery or how that might apply to your life, I would encourage you to stop by there and talk to them. As we close today, I want us to share in communion together. And You should have gotten these cups as you came in this morning, so if you'll go ahead and grab those if you're going to participate in communion with us today. And I'm just going to kind of walk you through a couple of logistics, and then I want to share something with you before we actually receive communion. So just logistically, if you've never used one of these, you tear the little plastic thing off the top, and there's a wafer underneath, and that's representative of Christ's body that was broken for us. And then you'll tear the foil back, and it exposes the cup of juice that you will drink, and that is a reminder of Christ's blood that was shed for you and I for the forgiveness of our sin. You know, when we think about communion, often we only think about Jesus going to the cross. And this is a picture of what he did on the cross, absolutely. His body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. But I think it's also too important for us to remember, especially today as we celebrate Easter, why Jesus died. He died for the forgiveness of sin, but it wasn't just for that. He also died because that is how the relationship would be restored with God, and that is how we receive God's power in our lives. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he overcame death and the grave, and that is the power that you and I live with to overcome our struggles. So as we receive communion this morning, we're not just being reminded of his body and his blood that was broken and poured out for us, but we're also being reminded that he overcame death 
even as he faced that for us so that we could live with power and live with victory. And I want you to think about that as you receive communion this morning. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. As the band plays this first song, just take a few moments at the beginning to reflect and allow God to speak to your heart. Maybe what are some things in your life that you've either been ignoring or sweeping under the rug or those struggles that are there that you probably know were there but you don't really like to talk about, you don't really like other people to know about because I promise you you're not alone. Every single person in this room has one of those habits or hurts or hang-ups that we've been talking about. Every single one of us has some kind of struggle we're walking through. And the enemy does such a good job of convincing us that we're all alone and that we're facing it alone. And nobody else is going through that same struggle. Nobody else is facing those same circumstances. When in reality, we're all walking the same journey together. Our circumstances may be a little different, but we all have struggles. We all have obstacles that we come up against. So take a moment just to allow God to speak to your heart, maybe reveal some of those things. And just a reminder, if if you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, that's where it starts. Just asking Him for help, asking Him to come into your heart and just allowing you to be surrendered to Him and His power in your life. And if that's where you are this morning, come back over here to Next Steps. Tim and Joni are back there, David and Melanie. I'll be back there in just a moment. We would love to be able to pray with you, talk with you, just help you start that journey, give you some some tools to get you rolling. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. Take a few moments to reflect. And then when you're ready, you can receive the elements and then join in worship. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship this morning. We thank you for your amazing power that is available to us if we will simply surrender our hearts to you. And God, that's one of the most difficult things we do is surrender, to ask for help, to admit that we're powerless. But God, I know that when we make that choice to let go of our pride and surrender ourselves before you and just to to lay our obstacles before you at your feet, that's when you show up and do something amazing. God, I thank you for Nate and Andrea's story that we listened to this morning just to hear how you've been at work in their lives and to hear whether it's this big struggle that causes us to be arrested and and go against the law or other things or whether it's this small thing that seems to be easy to hide within our hearts. All of them eat away at us and they rob us of our victory if we don't choose to surrender them to you. And so God, this morning as we take a moment to reflect and to allow you to speak into our hearts, I just pray that you would reveal to us those things that are robbing us of your joy, are robbing us of experiencing your love in that way. And God, may we lay those things at your feet and surrender them today. And as we receive communion today, may we be reminded not only of your sacrifice on the cross, but may we be reminded that you are offering us your power to overcome those obstacles and those struggles. And may we walk fully dependent upon you today. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.